Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and before we hop into this week's episode with Marissa Graham, where her and I talk about letting go of the black and white, all or nothing mindset around exercise and learning how to become more flexible in your approach to exercise in a way that really supports the type of person you want to be. There are so many incredible nuggets in this conversation about finding intrinsic motivation versus always chasing an external goal, how to find joy without shame or pressure around exercise. And Marissa shares a little bit of her background as a dancer. But first, I just wanted to give a little bit of a life update. So it is full-blown summer here in Barcelona, and today is actually my least favorite holiday of the year. As an American moving to Spain, there were so many things that I was just confused by at first, and one of them being their like complete disregard for fire safety. So in this holiday, it, it's the Fiesta de San Juan, and essentially what it entails is fireworks going off all night. It usually starts in the afternoon and, and finishes like early in the morning. And even last night, so before the holiday even happened, there were children outside my house lighting off fireworks at 11 o'clock at night, which is just so confusing on so many levels as an American. And another, another little life update is just some of the reflections I've been having specifically around the concept of fat phobia and our fear of weight gain and some conversations that I've been having with my best friend who is always one of my favorite people to sort of like bounce these ideas off of. And it got me thinking about wanting to start sharing some of my thoughts around life, around fitness, around nutrition, around body image, sort of on a more like off the cuff type basis. And so I'm thinking about posting and it, this will really be depending on the thoughts that are going through my head. It may be once a week, it may be twice a week, it may be a couple times a month. Posting some shorter episodes, anywhere from one to five minutes long, just with some thoughts around what's going through my head and have it be sort of like really real and in the moment. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. If it's something that you'd like to see, having a little bit more shorter episodes that are really in the moment, or if you prefer sort of the longer, more edited episodes. And if you don't have an opinion, don't say anything. That's totally fine. I, I Every time I hear from someone about the podcast, I, I've lately been hearing about a lot of people sort of binge listening, and that just makes me so happy to hear that you are loving these episodes. So I'm going to wrap up here. I'm going to go make my second coffee of the day. Very excited about that. And with that, I will leave you with this incredible episode with Marissa Graham. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I have another guest today. And this is a guest who we've sort of been doing like parallel things over the last maybe year or so. If you've heard, I think it's episode like 65 with Dr. Dr. Karin Nordine. Um, Marissa is sort of like within the Karin Nordine sphere with me. <laughs> and we connected to talk a little bit about identity and exercise. And I was really interested in Marissa's story because Marissa's a dancer and she actually just finished her first powerlifting competition. So two very different things. Marissa, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from. Hi, so I'm Marissa and I coach primarily dancers and athletes um, to train sustainably and shame-free 
So basically what that means is to train themselves in a way where they can train for life, either in their sport or within cross-training, within strength training. And shame-free, meaning no toxic hustle culture or fitness BS. Um, I'm from New York originally. Now I live in Santa Cruz, California. And my background is kind of a mixed bag. So um, I got my certified personal training cert in 2016, right after I had graduated from my BFA in dance. And I kind of was like around the fitness sphere for three or four years working, you know, as an instructor and doing different things, but also um, dancing professionally in Manhattan. And then 2020 hit, I lost literally all of my jobs. <laughs> and I joined um, an online coaching program called Dancers Who Lift. And once that ended, I started up my own company and now we're here. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you and I kind of identified that we have in common is sort of the identity that we had created around who we are within like exercise, like within exercise and fitness. Um, those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I have a background in CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. Marissa, very different background in dance. Um, but one of the things that I thought would be really interesting to explore is, you know, something that's come up recently with some of my clients is this idea of, you know, I want to have a better relationship with food and exercise, but something about their identity is holding them back. And that might be their identity as I am the fit one, or I am the healthy eater. I am the one that's always dieting. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about for you, for example, like dancing is part of who you are. It's something you've done for a long time, but how did you create maybe a bit of a more flexible identity with that? Because it sounds like in 2020, kind of all of that was in, to a certain extent taken away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a really interesting shift for me because to go from doing something in a professional capacity to then going to do it as a hobby, you do have to look at how is this showing up in my life? And am I like connected to it? Like I am this thing or I do this thing. And for me, it's, it shifted from I am a dancer to I dance. And that was a really difficult shift because my worth was so attached to being a dancer, right? Like that's just how I identified myself. And to say like, okay, now it's just a hobby. It becomes a very different thing, but it's actually, once you can let go of that, like rigidity within your identity and just say like, okay, I get to be all of these different things, not just a dancer. Like I can open up the box and look at all of the identities that I can play around with. It gives you so much more freedom. And like within the fitness world, I think we see that a lot. Like you said, I am the healthy one. I am the one that goes to the gym. Like if you can allow yourself to do those things, but not necessarily be those things all the time, it just gives you that much more freedom and flexibility. I resonate with that so much. And I was actually, as you were saying that I was reflecting back on, I was like, 
I don't know if some of you listening know how deep within the CrossFit space I was. And I went from being someone that like literally never played sports growing up. I, I fenced, I rode horses. I was kind of a little nerdy kid, read a ton of Harry Potter, of course. And, and then in my twenties really started to dive into the CrossFit world, like to the point where I interned for CrossFit seminar staff. I thought I like CrossFit being a CrossFit coach was such a huge part of who I was competing in Olympic weightlifting to a certain extent, like took over my identity. And it is so challenging to then shift to, well, how do I take working out from being like my personality essentially to being simply something that is part of a multifaceted life. And I think to a certain extent, like a grieving process is necessary, like a Mm -hmm. grieving process of being like, okay, this is, it's almost like, like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly in a sense. Like there is some discomfort there while you're figuring out like what it looks like. I don't know how that came up for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically, you're trying to change the way that you think about it because you're going from like when you're training in a specific thing, whether it be CrossFit, dance, whatever sport you're in, you're just training for the next competition, the next performance, the next game, whatever. And now you're trying to say, okay, I'm not training for anything specifically. I'm just doing this you know, it's going on a marathon, doing a marathon versus like going for a walk in the park. It's like, wait, these are very different things. How do I shift my mentality? And a lot of what comes up is that all or nothing thinking because you're like, well, it's the game or it's nothing, right? Like if I'm not training, why even bother if I'm not going to do it competitively? Yeah, exactly. So, um, have you heard of the stovetop analogy? Uh, no, maybe, I don't know. Tell me about it. (laughs) So it's basically everyone has a stovetop of identities and obviously stoves only have a certain amount of energy that they can produce. And sometimes you have to turn the gas up on certain identities and turn the gas down on other identities. And for me, it's been like, okay, dancer is still an identity, but it's one of four, five, six And I've had to just turn the gas down on it a little bit. So it's not like I'm just abandoning my identity as a dancer necessarily, but I'm just kind of dialing it back, which again, if you're in that all or nothing thinking, you're like, it's either on or off, right? Like there's no, there's no low. Totally. So first of all, I love that analogy. And second of all, I think that this is where like shifting from like, this is who I am, or this is what I do to like, this is what I am learning to become, I think is so powerful. And this is a, a, a language shift that I do with a lot of my clients where they're like, well, I'm just someone that overeats, right? And I'll be like, what if you were someone that was learning to not overeat? Like mm-hmm. y- you would essentially be in the same place. Like currently right now, you are someone that overeats. But if you're someone that's learning to not overeat, you're in the process of building skills that are going to help you get to that point, right? And I think that this is where, like, for me, it was sort of, again, I think the pandemic played a big part in me being able to let go of the CrossFit identity because it was like, well, now I guess I can't go to the CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I going to do? But one thing that happens, I think, a lot, especially around exercise, when we are shifting that identity from someone that is like, 
I am dedicated to the gym. I am constantly training for something. And I think also for a lot of individuals, it's not even that they're training for like a competition or an event. It's like they're training for their quote unquote ideal body constantly. And so it becomes this like never ending chase for quote unquote body goals. And I think one thing that happens is that people are worried that if they're no longer chasing that specific goal, they're going to lose motivation to do the thing. Right. Yeah. And it's also interesting because typically that goal is pretty vague, right? Like if you ask someone like, okay, what is your body goal? Right? Like it's not, it might be a certain number or something, but there's, there's not a deeper level of that. And it, to me, no one has ever lost 10 pounds just for like the sake of losing 10 pounds and been so freaking excited about it. Like there's something underneath that. Right. So yeah, I, I went a little bit off track from your question, but no, no, no. I think, <laughs> but I think that you bring up a really good point is that it's like understanding the, like the deeper reasons why we actually want to be involved in these activities is really important. Like, for example, for me, I still lift weights and I love lifting weights. Even though like there are some days where I don't like wake up and I'm like, I'm so excited to go to the gym today. Like it is still something that I highly value for my health, both physical and mental. And I think first there's, you know, I I tend to work with clients that are on either ends of a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum is like really challenging to like create balanced eating patterns kind of all over the place, maybe not a ton of nutrition education. Um, and a lot of clients that, that have never worked out or, or really struggle keeping a, uh, an exercise routine. And then I also work with clients on the other end that are like very mm-hmm. on top of it, very all or nothing, very rigid. And I help both of them kind of find that middle ground. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that feels really challenging is like, well, if I'm not training to get my body to look a certain way, or if I'm not training for like a specific competition or a specific reason, like why would I be motivated to exercise? Mm-hmm. And so I, cause I know that you work with a lot of athletes and you work with, um, and you work with dancers as well. And so if they're creating that shift, cause you mentioned sustainable training is really important to you as far as like your coaching philosophy, How do you get them, how do you help people get to a point where they understand like the intrinsic motivation and they're able to keep themselves going rather than constantly looking for like this external validation of a number on a scale or a competition or a performance? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a really challenging task for sure. Um, I always start with just asking the very simple question of why like getting to kind of going back to what you were saying, getting to the deeper root of what is really motivating you to exercise, to train, and also allowing people to start to think about exercise in a more broad strokes way. Because working out at the gym is just not what everyone likes, right? Like you have to find what you like. So if you're a dancer and you've never worked out in the gym and you hate the idea of going to the gym and you're like, I want you to teach me how to like going to the gym. It's like, why don't you just do work out at home, right? Like find the happy medium within yourself and find the things that you actually like and enjoy doing rather than trying to force yourself into the idea of what you think exercise or working out is. 
Like, I know you always say giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. And I like to think about that, like unconditional permission to move, unconditional permission to enjoy your workouts. Because if you're working out in a way that just doesn't feel aligned with what you like doing, then it's, there's always going to be that resistance. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> I okay. hope you don't hate me. Well, I'm going to play do devil's it, advocate here because this is something that I've been sort of like exploring this idea because we do, we do often say as professionals, we're like, do what you like. Right. But I also think back to a point where like, I would go in a, a gym and be like, this fucking sucks. And yeah. now I go into yeah. a gym and I'm like, I love this. Right. Like the gym is like, I don't want to say my happy place because it's not my happy place, but it's a place where I feel comfortable. It's a place where I go. I put on my headphones. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Everybody in my gym thinks I'm an asshole, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> whatever. No, that's the best. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. really but I think that this is where it's like, okay. And, and I'm thinking like sort of in the mind of someone that might be listening to this, thinking to themselves, well, I don't like lifting weights. But at the same time, there's also this, this thing that's like, well, but everybody tells me that lifting weights is really good for my health and my health is important to me. So like, how can we maybe get, how would we maybe get to a point where it's like, okay, maybe I don't like going to the gym or I don't like working at home, working out at home now, but how can we perhaps like shift that if it's possible? When I start with clients, I, I have to meet them where they're at, right? 100%. So I've had a lot of clients who are exactly what you're saying, who they were like, nope, no gym, no gym, no gym, no gym. I'm like, that's fine. We don't have to go to the gym. Let's start at home. And then they get some dumbbells and then they get some heavier dumbbells. And then at some point they're like, you know what? I've actually been thinking that I want to try the gym. Okay, great. Right. So there's this gap because I a hundred percent agree with you. I was the same way. I was a dancer. I was literally told not to go to the gym. Like we were told cross training. No, no it's Pilates or yoga or bust. So I had to do that same thing where it's just like, you kind of start to tiptoe in and then you get comfortable you, you surround yourself with the right people, you get the right support system. But I think that has to come from within rather than me being like, let's go to the gym, having them be like, you know what, I'm curious about going to the gym because I've tried this out. I see, I see the value because I can feel at the end of this, what it feels like. And I think that's where the like intrinsic value comes versus like the external. And it, it starts there, but, you know, to bridge that gap, I think you have to meet them where they're at and say like, okay, let's start with the things that you like. And maybe that'll get you to the gym. Maybe it won't. You know, I have clients, I have a client I've had for three years. She's never gone to the gym. Like she tried it out once and she was like, this is not for me. Right. So working out at home is, is her, her jam, but um, yeah, I do. I, I agree with you. I think it's just in that initial phase, um, yeah. you gotta, you gotta find the things that, that you like. I, t I totally agree. And I'm actually smiling at myself. because I'm thinking back to like March, 2020, when I was like, I was a total gym rat. Like I essentially lived in the CrossFit gym. I would like go in, teach my classes. I would stay, I would work out. Like I loved being in the gym and I, 
I got to the point and I got really good at convincing myself I hate working out at home. Mm-hmm. And then tw- March 2020 hit and here in Spain, we literally were not allowed to leave our houses. And yeah. so like we couldn't even like go work out in the park. It was like you were working out inside your house or you were not working out. Yeah. And so that was where I really realized that a lot of the way that I was speaking to myself about what I liked was actually holding me back from being open to creating this like new sort of like sub sub identity as someone that can exercise at home. And mm. I thought that that was so interesting as I did that because I realized that I had done that with so many other things, especially around exercise, because my original sort of identity around exercise was like, I hate working out. Like, I remember thinking back to being 19 years old and being at college and like seeing, you know, the girls in their like little booty shorts going to the gym and be like, I wish I could do that, but I just hate working out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes it can be so helpful to like, look back and be like, wow, wait, I used to be someone that like hated this thing. And now I kind of like it. And we can actually be intentional with that. And so like, let's say you're working with someone that's like, I want to get to the point where like I can be, for example, I want to get to the point where I'm someone that can take or leave a workout and I don't beat myself up over not going to the gym. Like how might you help them bridge that gap identity wise from being the like, I never miss a workout to like, I'm someone that can be flexible in my workouts. Yeah. A lot of times what I find is that the people that are like, I'm either doing the workout or I'm not doing it. They miss the assessment piece of if they actually should do a workout that day. And so I have like a, a cycle. I'm pretty sure I, maybe I took it from somewhere, but I think it came from my own brain and it's like the plan, assess, decide and acknowledge cycle So you plan for that day and then you assess and you're like, did I sleep? Did I eat three meals? Do I feel like when I envision myself at the end of that workout and being really honest with myself, am I going to feel better? Because there are times and not to go off on a tangent about this, but when people are like, you'll never regret a workout. It's like, you know, you how many go off on a tangent. We love tangents. This is like okay. Ted talk city over here. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> like, I can't, I cannot even put a number to how many times I've regretted a workout because I'm exhausted. I'm going to put myself in injury zone, right? Like I know that I probably shouldn't be doing it. And same with taking dance class. Like I shoulded myself into it but I really should have just gone home and rested. So taking that assessment piece and adding it in rather than just saying like, I'm going to do a workout. Oh my God, I didn't do a workout. How could I not do a workout? Well, let me try again tomorrow. And kind of like the cycle continues allowing that assessment piece to come in and then a reassessment of like, okay, you know what? a workout is not going to happen for me today. Let me go like stretch on the floor for five minutes. Let me walk outside for five minutes. It's so, it's such a like stereotype, I feel like, but just allowing yourself again, unconditional, I'm going to steal your phrase. Unconditional. Yeah, no, go for it. I, I didn't, I didn't create that. That's from intuitive eating. And I've sort of yeah. like warped it into like my, how I use it with my clients. So go ahead. Amazing. Perfect. But yeah, giving yourself that unconditional permission to move and allowing for that flexibility within the planning of it because 
a lot of times we just get stuck in that loop of like, I'm either doing it or not doing it. And I have a lot of resistance with clients because they're like, yeah, but that's not really a workout. Like it doesn't feel like enough. Right. And I'm like, right. But you're getting yourself to a place where you're putting space in your day for that exercise, for that movement. So it might not feel like enough right now, but it's the making time and the making space that you don't have currently because it's either fully happening or not happening at all rather than consistently happening. Well, I think, so there's two things that I want to mention that I think are really important about what you talk about. Cause the conversation that I have with clients all the time is this, well, it's not enough. Right. And so the way that I like to reframe that when I'm working with clients, cause I, I don't, I don't do any sort of like training, but I will often advise my clients on like, Hey, like this is a workout program that I think would be great for you. Or like, here's how we want to start creating a routine so that you can move on a regular basis is reframing it to movement. And I just had this conversation with a client the other day who's just had a recent like big life change. And she was like, I just want you to like make me friends with exercise. And I was like, well, first of all, like, what are we defining exercise as? Because she is one of those people that her identity is like, I hate exercising. I hate working out. I'm like, well, what is our definition of what that is? And she was like, well, I have to go to a gym and it's expensive and like, I don't have time for it. And I was like, well, what if it was just movement? Like, what if your goal was just to like move in a way? And I was like, what are the ways in which you move in a day? She's like, well, I like walk places and like, I'll go dancing with my friends sometimes. I'm like, all of that counts. And for her, you could like see the weight, like be lifted off of her shoulders. She was like, oh my God, right? I can, all of those things count. I was like, yeah, all of those things totally count. <laughs> and then there's the, the other thing that I wanted to mention there is the assessment piece, because the assessment piece is also so important, I think, in our relationship with food, because the assessment piece is like where we really tap into like our hunger, our cravings, like our desires to eat or not eat. Yeah. And one of the things that I think specifically with exercise that I've seen be really helpful is sort of this, like, if you are struggling with the assessment piece, give yourself five minutes, be like, you know what, if I am like in this battle of like, do I work out? Do I not work out? And like, I'm being pushed to, but I don't know why I'm being pushed to like set a timer for five minutes and see how you feel. And like, I have literally walked in the gym and been like, I'm going to do five minutes. And if I feel like shit, I'm leaving. And I've left the gym before. And also I've had those workouts turn into some of my best workouts. And sometimes you need those five minutes of like actual being in the moment to be like, oh, okay. Like, this is what it feels like. And then you can store that away in like the library of your brain for next time. A hundred percent. And this is something I talk about. um, I don't know if you're familiar with precision nutrition and like the deep health wheel. Oh, 100%. I freaking love it. Great. It's like an incredible model. Can you really quickly, just because we are like, we've just said that and there's probably people listening. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the deep health model is basically all these different spheres of our health. So a lot of times we think about just the physical sphere, but um, in deep health, we also have relational, emotional, uh, existential, I'm going to environmental, mental, all of these different kind of domains of health. And a lot of times when, especially with coaches, we just hear about the physical health but really these are all interconnected and it really helps 
when we're looking at our training to understand the deep stressors. So within deep help, we also have these deep stressors in each domain. And I can remember a time when I really started to take the assessment seriously. And I just sat with myself and I thought about all of the stressors that came with going to the gym. And I realized that the last time I was at the gym, I had someone approach me that I didn't want to be approached by because that happens sometimes. And I was just feeling really anxious about going to the gym. And I was like, why do I feel like this? I don't understand. And once I started to look at, okay, it's not just about the physical, right? It's not just that I'm tired or whatever, but it's my emotional and my mental health is being kind of jerked around by this last experience I had. And rather than saying, I'm just not going to work out at all, I decided to work out at home. And that was like the first time I really was able to assess and break down like why, why I was having that resistance. Because I think a lot of times we have that resistance, but we don't know where it's coming from. So we just don't go right. Or we don't do the thing. Um, but like I said, if you can reassess and pivot and, and be okay with working out at home or whatever your pivot is, um, then you can start to understand like that deeper why. And that is really, really useful when you're trying to shift your identity from, I am this person to like, I'm learning to become a mover, right? Like maybe I'm not a worker outer, but I'm a mover, Yeah. I love that. And I think that you hit on something that is so, so, so important. And that is, and that is why like I use the concept of values, like life values so much in my coaching around nutrition and how you think about food is because food, fitness, like the way you approach your workouts, all of that is included in your life as a whole. And when we try to sort of like segment that and be like, this is just one part of my life, we forget that it is all interconnected. And so I think there, it's a really great opportunity to learn to zoom out and be like, what else is going on? And this is this is a conversation that I remember having with clients when I, I used to coach a lot of nutrition clients that were very deep into CrossFit. And one of the concepts that was really challenging for a lot of the like very like deep in the CrossFit cult people to understand was that exercise is another stressor on your body. Right. And when you are already incredibly stressed out, like it may not be the best choice to do a a high intensity, very like physically stressful type of exercise. And that was really challenging because we also, there's so many of us, and we're not even going to get into this, like exercise is my therapy because that is like, (laughs) you guys can't see Marissa right now, but she's rolling her eyes. And anyone that is, that anyone that is listening, that is like, but exercise is my therapy. We are not down on you at all. Like exercise can be very therapeutic and exercise and movement can be a great way to distract ourselves from the, from the mental stressors. But we also have to be aware that like fitness is a physical stressor and our bodies, when they were already under, like maybe you're not sleeping enough or you're not eating enough. Like this is why, for example, myself, I lost my period for three years not mm. because like I was exercising too much in isolation, but because I was exercising a lot in conjunction with not eating enough food, being stressed out about my body constantly, like all of these other things played into this. And that was my TED Talks. So I have no idea where I started there. I love um, it. 
talks throughout the episode. Yeah, mini TED talks. That's what we're all about here. This is like the bite size, bite size TED talk podcast. Um, I really hope that I'm, that's not like copyright infringement or something. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Um, but Marissa, I, oh, I love this topic and I feel like we could talk about it so much, but I, I would love to hear one thing that I often ask on podcasts is like for actionable tips. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I love giving actionable tips, things that whoever is listening can take and like put into action in their life right now. And so if you were speaking to someone that is working on creating like a, a more sort of balanced and sustainable approach to fitness, how, like what maybe three actionable tips would you give them? Yeah. Great question. I think the assessment questions that I ask are probably my, my number one. And I want to preface it by saying like, these questions are not to say that they all have to be green and all have to be like the most ideal, but just to give yourself kind of like a basic needs baseline. So the questions I ask are, how much did I or you sleep? Like if you slept more more than five hours, you're probably okay, right? That's a check. Um, how am I going to feel? I think I mentioned that one already, but like, yeah, how am that's, I gonna but feel? that's such a good one. That is like such an important question is yeah. like, how am I going to feel? And it, oh, sorry, like, sorry to interrupt you there, but I think I that this is, this is such a key point because we know our patterns, even though we might not be fully aware of them. And this is an opportunity for you to really start paying attention to how the things that you do affect you afterwards. And it's a way to start training yourself to think about future you, which is essentially like everything we do, we are doing for our future selves. Yes. And so the more that we connect what we're doing right now with our future selves, the more consistent and motivated we can be towards a goal. And to that point, like you mentioned earlier, like how do you shift from extra external motivation to intrinsic? Like that is a piece of it is the intrinsic assessment of like, how am I going to feel and recognizing and acknowledging that that is within yourself. And that's something that's like that instant gratification of, I know I'm going to feel better or more energized or whatever the case is after the workout. Um, and then the other question is just like, are my basic needs, needs met? Like, did I eat today? Did I drink water? Like if those things are not happening, if you're skipping dinner to get to the gym, maybe don't, <laughs> maybe no. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other piece or the other tip I would say is rather than, and this is a, this is a hard one to just be like, spring this into action. But if you find yourself kind of thinking in these all or nothing terms, like I'm going to do the entire workout or I'm going to do nothing, start to shift your thinking into 1% improvement. So Rather than saying like the workout or the warm up doesn't count as anything, you can be like, okay, the warm up counts towards my movement for today. And I don't know, this maybe this is too much of a tangent, but there's a, a study that happened with housekeepers where I they, love this. Yes, talk about yeah. it. I love it. Okay. Do it. Okay. <laughs> so they did a study with housekeepers that talk. Um, where they, they measured their physical markers of health. And they told one group that um, what they were doing was over, you know, the Surgeon General's re required or recommended amount of exercise and like all of these things and how 
active they were at their jobs and all that stuff. The other group, they just didn't tell anything. After a month, I'm, I might be butchering that, but after a certain amount of time, they looked at their physical markers of health again. And the group that they told, hey, you're really active, you know, like your job is making you so much more active than the average person, all of their physical markers of health were much better, much more improved. So literally the way that we think about what we're doing can physiologically have an effect. And I think that is such an incredible thing to be like, if I think about this as 1% improved versus I'm doing nothing at all, like that is going to help my physical marker of health, which we talk about the deep wheel of health and, you know, you and I really want to pay attention to all of those, but a lot of times people are coming to us for that physical domain. So that, that's my second tip, I guess. <laughs> um, and the third one for, I'm drawing a blank. That's totally, I think you have given like so much for people to look at. And I think, I think if anybody takes away anything from what you just said is like the assessment piece is like, it's okay to question why you're doing the thing. And I think one thing that I would maybe add on as like a joint actionable tip is to start asking yourself the reasons that you're exercising that have nothing to do with that external achievement, that have nothing to do with the weight on the scale, that have nothing to do with like the competition that you want to compete in, that have nothing to do with how people are going to think about you. Like, what are the reasons that you want to be someone that exercises? And this is something that I think a lot about a lot for myself, because one thing that I, I try to get across to people is like, your appearance is not the most important thing about you, but at the same time, your appearance can be important, but we need to understand like when we organize our like level of importance, like the things that we like the ranking, if the way that you look or the way that your body looks is extremely high up on the list, you're forgetting all of the other incredible facets of who you are as a person. And this is something that for me as someone that, you know, I've spoken a lot about this on the podcast is like, I spent most of my life, like I'm 30, how, how old am I? I'm 36. I'm 36. And I spent mo the majority of my life thinking like, my life is going to be better if I'm skinnier. Like if I look a certain way, my life is going to be better. And my life didn't get better. And so when I was exercising for that sole purpose, it took away from like the potential joy and satisfaction that I could get out of going to the gym and just like working out and be like, oh shit, I got to go. Like I'm late for whatever, because that used to mean like, oh my God, I got to go back and do more. Oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight. And now it's just like, oh, well, I got some movement in cool. And like, I get to move on with my day. And, and so I think that understanding why you're exercising and, and really challenging yourself to dig deep for reasons that don't have to do with like appearance or achievement, I think is really important. Yeah. I, I always start with that five whys exercise, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you know. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see like, what is the layer beneath the layer beneath the layer? Because I mean, we all have a narrative that we've told ourselves for so long and 
it's really, I mean, I want to like, just acknowledge that anyone who is trying to challenge this, it is, it is so difficult, right? Like it's not an easy thing because it's not only the narrative you've told yourself, but it's the narrative that we've heard in culture and society. And now we're trying to say like, Hey, I want to challenge these beliefs. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, I always am like so astounded and just so proud of my clients who like really want to tackle that head on because it, it's not an easy thing to do at all. You are completely right. It is, it is not. And it is something that, um, I don't know where I heard this, but it was like, it's not our fault that we feel the way that we do about our bodies, but it is our responsibility to do something about it. And I also want to let people know, cause I know that they're like, I've recently gotten the chance to work with a lot of coaches that are looking to incorporate like more values-based decision-making, mindful approaches to eating, unconditional permission to eat. They're looking to incorporate that in their coaching. And I know like how vulnerable it can be as a coach to like ask another coach for help, almost more vulnerable than being like an individual looking to hire a coach. And, and I think that this is where like, we, we need to be having these conversations more about like asking for support and getting support in all of these things, even challenging your own like biases as a coach is so important and it is vulnerable, but it's also so incredibly worth it because like, I would still be a really fucking shitty coach if I had not gotten coached myself. A hundred percent. Marissa, uh, let people know where they can find you. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here, but let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, They can find me on the gram on Instagram at Marissa E. Graham. Um, My website, marissagram.com. I'm on YouTube and Facebook and all those other things too at Marissa E. Graham. Amazing. Well, Marissa, this was a really fun conversation. And anyone that is not following Marissa, go ahead and do that. Um, If you have found this podcast via Marissa and you are not following me, you can come over and say hello and follow me where we chat about body image, mindset, self-compassion, all that good stuff. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and share it with someone that you think might enjoy listening. That is an incredible way to get more people to hear these words and hopefully start challenging these narratives. And if you enjoyed it, give me a follow, um, get, or give this podcast a follow and you will get another episode again next Monday, wherever you are in the world.